0: Broadcasting live from the Bayou, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Tyette, and I'm joined by my psychics,
1: Louisa
2: and Zeba.
0: And in this episode, we are continuing our voodoo theme talking about the 1997 drama film Eve's Bayou, directed by Cassie Lemon. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast.
2: Eve's Bayou follows the descendants of a slave named Eve and her master, Batiste, who married her after he freed her for saving his life. The story follows 10 year old Eve named after the original mother as she discovers her father's infidelity and other sexual transgressions. This begins with Eve witnessing her father having an affair with family friend Maddie Moreau at a party. The father is a prominent doctor in town and Eve comes to realize how much he enjoys the attention of his female patients. Eve then becomes aware that these sexual deviances may involve her older sister, Cecily, who has an unusually affectionate relationship with her father and often comes to his defense when Eve questions his loyalty to their mother, Roz. Eve's ill-fated Aunt Moselle resides with the family and practices hoodoo in the house, reading people's fortunes, though she ironically lacked the ability to foresee the death of each of her three husbands. Frustrated by her father's behavior and betrayals, Eve decides to use voodoo magic to enact her revenge.
0: I paid you a dollar, old woman. Now tell my fortune. I don't need no cat bones to tell your fortune, Mademoiselle Baptiste.
1: You are a curse. The Black Widow. Next man who marries you is a dead man, like the others. Always be that way. So,
0: guys... Eve's Bayou was one of the most successful independent films released in 1997. It was made for $3 million and returned over $14 million in box office. It received seven NAACP Image Awards nominations and Cassie Lemons earned the Director's Debut Award from the National Board of Review. What do we think, with seeing how successful this film was, why do we think we haven't gotten to see more female directors in horror or drama or just in general?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's a so sad.
0: I mean, to be honest, that was a bad question because we all know the answer. We know uh, the answer is mainly money, I would say, probably is a huge factor. But honestly, like, I think one of the things that I've definitely started to struggle with a lot is I'm, like, starting to build my own career. It's like, my passion is certainly independent film, and I really wish that there were more opportunities for independent filmmakers to make funding
1: ultimately in art there will be people who like art for art's sake and who can prevail it's always going to be difficult and increasingly i feel like capitalism just keeps doubling down with every new decade so it's like going to be difficult in these conditions but i think it can still be done i mean like a lot of good organizations still want to fund like independent filmmakers i feel like a lot of short films are really great i see a lot of like good indie short films
0: the Monstrous women is on Instagram, so please go leave us a comment. If you do engage with our content, you just might get a shout out on our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Evangeline Molly, who commented on our Fear Street episode post and said, ooh, can't wait for this one. Thanks so much, Evangeline. We really hope that you did enjoy the Fierce Tree episode. That was actually one of my favorites to film. Even though I didn't necessarily love all the films. It was just really fun. And it was nice to see like you guys react in real time while we were watching it.
1: Big watch party one day.
0: Yeah, maybe we should do that. That would be really fun friendly reminder that we are also on patreon for one pound a month you gain access to our discord for three pounds a month you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episode and for five pounds you get all of that plus a bonus episode please support us any contribution helps
2: i had a point about like the magic versus science bit many of our horror movie themed episodes that are, like, based in a particular, like, culture or practice, we always end up talking about how non-white, non-Western practices are often, like, not in conflict with medicine and science and magic and healing and all those things sort of, like, seamlessly find themselves together in everyday lives, like, not just for weird wizards who live in the woods and you have to, like, go out to find them and it's, like, a fringe issue um i think magic and science and healing and witchcraft in quotes all go together a bit more seamlessly and that was i think we discussed in the bonus episode the difference between hoodoo and voodoo is hoodoo is more of that because it's like incorporated into your everyday rituals that you that just have come with you because I don't know cultures are lasting and practices are lasting and things get passed down um, versus voodoo which is like a bit more of a formal closed practice. They didn't frame it as like hoodoo is like. I'm doing a lot of air quotes on the video. Whatever hoodoo is like white magic versus black magic. It's not like that. It's just think hoodoo is, we said in the bonus episode, if you want to hear more, but like African American sort of like residual practices that have been passed down as opposed to like that formal tie with Catholicism. Though there are ties to Christianity and Catholicism and like law and the formalized religious practice that voodoo has, which is, you know, rooted in the Caribbean and. Haney in particular, so forming those distinctions at the top of the episode I thought was important because what the auntie was doing would be considered hoodoo and maybe even like the psychic. We don't really know, she was a mysterious figure, but then like what Eve was attempting to do to like kill her father was voodoo and they say it as voodoo and she goes to a voodoo practitioner to go get that done. So both are present in this. But like we want to use like the right terminology when referring to like who's doing what action
1: yeah I feel like we kind of touched on it on the bonus app as well but the idea of like compared to the serpent and the rainbow voodoo is it is the horror in this in this film but it's more of like an ignorance of consequences which is what the horrors generate it's more of like a a lack of respect for the the power of voodoo which is the horror not so much like a Ooh, it's scary and spooky and exotic in and of itself kind of thing like in the serpent and the rainbow and I think the aunt is very much like yeah I don't I don't practice voodoo like that's something that's something else like I haven't I haven't really messed with that kind of thing you know she's very much declares herself like a, kind of separate like she kind of t- acknowledges that that's like a different thing to what she does like, more formalized. Do you know what I mean? She kind of acknowledges her ignorance, whereas Eve is obviously, like, a young girl who's just trying to see a way out of a situation. So this is, like, kind of one of those, like, films that we do that is towing the line between, like, is it horror? I'm sure we're gonna get people being like, it's drama. And to be fair, I do think a lot of, like, I think it is technically, like, I'd say drama more than horror. Like, there's not really, like, horror in the traditional sense. However, Dr. Robin Armines Coleman included this in that horror noir documentary as well. They also talk about Yves Bayou. So, you know, if it's good enough for a doctor, then it's good enough for you. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to hear no comments <laughs> about how it's not an actual horror.
2: <laughs> this was a, a roller coaster. The way I was smacked across the face, misled,
1: bamboozled, like... It's a ride. Do you think you were... I kind of was watching it and then I read a review which really solidified the opinion I had when watching it. Was that... Because I know by the end, it's left a bit more ambiguous. Like, basically, the father says, no, 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 I didn't in his, like, letter beyond the grave. And the... in like, Eve feels betrayed and goes to her sister, like, why did you lie? And it's kind of, like... I'm going to say it's ambiguous. It's a grey area about whether or not it took place. I think regardless... What I was having issues with, was like, well, this was still, like, grooming. Because, like, why on earth, like, would a daughter feel so, like, why would why would that line get crossed if, like, there wasn't, like, you know, how he was behaving to her was always inappropriate. Like, the whole time I was watching, even before, like, the um, pedophilia plot kind of revealed itself, I was thinking, this guy's really weird with his kid. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, he's really touchy. He's, like, talking, comparing her to his mom. It just seems, like, it just seems inappropriate. And then, like, there are other things, like, um, when she gets her period, she says, like, I don't want you looking at me. And the way she kind of responds, it is still, like, she is a victim of, like, sexual assault. Um, And I know it could be, like, her saying that out of, like, rejection or embarrassment, as it could be revealed. But to me, it seemed more like, don't touch me, like, boundary kind of thing. Um, And then I was reading an article by Lee for Real Rundown, which made quite a compelling case that this was, like, the father grooming her still and like wanting her to be the perfect partner in his daughter, like one who worshipped him um, because he wanted to be the hero. He even says, like he has a line saying that he likes to be the hero and that's why he likes the attention of the women, female patients that he sleeps with slash kind of, you know, uses his authority. It's not a good situation. And this person kind of points out like that um, Cicely gets a haircut and she's like, well, who paid for the haircut? Like could it have been the father giving her money so she could look more like the mother? The mother says, "Like I don't want you waiting up for your father anymore." Kind of hinting that she knows about the abuse. The father's letter to his sister Moselle. The aunt reveals that she too was accusing him of abuse, and she has the second sight, so maybe she like saw something. The fact that victims tend to recount their testimonies a lot means that like her end like thing, where she like says, "Yeah, I did lie," or she kind of cries, or she doesn't actually say I lied, but she kind of breaks down. um, Could be like just. The behavior of victims i must imagine it'd be hard to stick to your testimony when the person you're accusing was your dead father that's going to be difficult um and lee believes that she was actually raped by the father like because we don't really see what happened it's just kind of blurry flashbacks this person argues that like maybe after she was slapped he assaulted her and that her period that ensued was actually like blood from her hymen breaking think it's left deliberately ambiguous this person argued that perhaps the voodoo queen like the voodoo priestess didn't actually do anything like because she said at the beginning like men fall on their own sword basically saying that perhaps his actions were just brought on by himself like like maybe she didn't her spell or like her ritual didn't actually bring upon anything so this was like one interpretation of it um and i thought like the period scene was interesting to me because like like why does she kind of freak out like that i think that would explain like why she gets so like horrified by her period coming i mean there all there's obviously a double dual interpretation to this where you, obviously it's just the typical like monstrous feminine of like your period comes it's associated with like possession in horror movies because because like creed barbara creed says that, like horror demonizes women who menstruate and link it to possession and the mother does say like i don't know what happened it's like she went crazy and had a seizure um so there could be like typical just monstrous femme and she's just embarrassed by her period and it means that she's a young woman and it heightens the sexual embarrassment of like going for her father But anyway, this was, like, one interpretation. I'm not sure, like, if I agree with, like, the fact that the father actually assaulted her. But I do think that in my mind, this was a film about, like, a father who is, like, grooming his daughter. And I didn't really believe the recounted testimony at the end. And I thought his letter didn't really absolve him of anything. Because if you are an abuser, you're still going to stick to your story, you know? Like, why would he be like, yeah, I did it. Do you know what I mean? So I thought that was an interesting article I could read it as an intentional gray area. I think I came away
2: with it in the end, just believing that it didn't, that the, ev- like, the event as it's described in the letter perhaps did not occur the way that we were led to believe or told it happened. But I also did still think that, like, I mean, the father's a creep in all kinds of ways. Like Like, we know he's a cheater. We know he's a... I don't know, coercer, I would say, of his patience, If not, like, an outright assaulter or abuser. But, like, we know him to be villainous. And, like, all of that. I, I, I was confused, though, by the favoritism between, like, the daughters or, like, what is implied there as far as, like, how he feels about Eve versus how he feels about the older daughter. Because it, like, occasionally felt like he, like, wanted distance from her or was like trying to keep him away from her throughout so that's why i didn't pick up in my first watch through that like the grooming that she that you're suggesting i can see it now in retrospect but it also seemed like he was intentionally like trying to like like the period just indicates that, like that's the time that you like distance yourself from girls of that age, whether you're related to them or not. It's creepy that that is the case. Like that is weird that like like fathers and uncles and all sorts of people will be like, oh, if they've heard that a girl has gone through puberty or is going through puberty, that like they have to change their behavior towards them, especially in public under the threat that some people would consider that that is inappropriate behavior, that you are still close with them. But it's not even that like that the uncle's behaviors changes. Or the way that like men who really have no impure thoughts or impure intent will also be like on high alert of like girls that they would have been close to, they now like don't talk to in public or don't touch or don't get near for fear of the perception that they'll be creeps. And that's sort of what I thought I saw Sam Jackson doing.
1: Oh, Sam Jackson. Right, well we're, we're not on a first name basis. <laughs> it's because we did Deep Blue Sea, so he's the star of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Like, like I said, I think that I'm not for sure. Like, I think this person, like, I didn't really get the the rape and hymen thing. I just thought it was like an interesting. I mean, the film leaves it deliberate. Everything's like deliberately ambiguous, so I kind of thought like it's interesting to consider that that could have happened. But I do recognize that, like. There's so much in horror or, like, film and periods and stuff in general. And, like, how that could have been traumatizing in and of itself for her. Um, But, yeah, I just think that the fact that the lines were blurred enough for the daughter to, like, approach the father like that means that he was not behaving appropriately at all. Like, he should be – should have been more distant. And there was also the fact that, like, I kind of situate this film in my mind, like, alongside Toni Morrison's Beloved. In terms of the story of Beloved, this really reminded me of it just because, I mean, obviously Beloved's not talking necessarily about descendants of slaves. talk is set very much like after, right after slavery has ended and at the beginning, during. But the fact that this is a story of a slave named Eve who saved her master's life, was granted freedom, and then married him and had 16 children. And she knew Eve, (laughs) descendant Eve, says, perhaps out of gratitude in her voiceover And that to me introduced this idea that this movie is just about like sexual power and sexual taboos and how slavery corrupts that. And as well as just being similar in like tone to like the story of Beloved, it like Beloved is very much about like slavery warping sexual relationships. Like in that book as well, we have a sexually competitive relationship between the mother and the daughter. Um, And like, I know that the daughter like, The ghost daughter who becomes kind of reincarnated actually has sex with the mother's boyfriend not her actual father but it's kind of like a surrogate situation and it's kind of about broadly how slavery facilitated like the most taboo of violations in black families like a mother having to kill her daughter or you know a reincarnated daughter coming and sleeping with the mother's Husband or boyfriend, because she's a reflection of the mother herself. It's, yeah. So I think Eve's bio for me took like a similar trajectory in my mind. Like it said that this family is the direct descendants of Eve. Um, and the idea that it was done out of gratitude, like the fact the original Eve married him out of gratitude, to me rewoke this idea of that hero worship. And we have that in the father who says a line about how he likes to be thought of as like the hero. To a certain type of woman, I'm a hero, I need to be a hero. Um, So I thought like that's kind of what also might have fueled the like potential grooming situation because it's like who gives you the most adoration other than your like young children, right? Who your parents are like people that you look up to, right? So I think to me it could have been seen as like him taking advantage of that to be a hero, which would kind of create this cyclical... Like continued sexual taboo violation within this black family, beginning with slavery and seeing how it continues. I know obviously Samuel L. Jackson is not white, but I think it was just an idea of like how slavery continues to damage families generations on. So that was kind of why, as well, I thought of the grooming take.
0: The slave's name being Eve and then kind of starting like this entire line of descendants kind of feels. Um, almost like biblical, with like a twisted Adam and Eve origin story. And I feel like her seeing her dad cheat on her mom was almost as if when they realized that they were naked in the Garden of Eden and suddenly the entire world crashed down and all of the innocence was broken. And so I didn't think of her dad as being predatory or anything about the relationship with her sister being weird. I felt like through her seeing that her dad was a flawed person and not this perfect creature who provided them with this very cush life because he was a prominent doctor and her mom being like this gorgeous elegant woman the veil was lifted of like what actually was going on behind the scenes so she was able to see that something weird is going on with like my dad and my sister i'm not sure what it is and we're seeing it through like her eyes so we also don't know what's going on we just have two different people's words so we can't really know which one is the truth which one is a lie is it somewhere in between that like and then also like the way that he was sleeping with his patients and everything is more to me felt like like a story about a loss of innocence that happens when you realize like a person of authority is lying or you see something that you shouldn't see at a young age.
2: That scene I felt like I was seeing sex for the first time like when you see them in the shed and the father's cheating on them like something about the way that that cinematography like really had me by the neck I was like as if I my innocence is being lost as if I've never seen a sex scene in a movie before I was like oh my god
0: goodness. I never saw the sex scene in this movie until literally this time that I saw it because I always saw it when I was a kid. So my mom would be like, leave the room. <laughs> so <laughs> leave the whole room. this is like the first time that I actually saw the sex scene in this movie. And I totally agree with you, Zay, but it does feel like you're seeing sex for the first time. I remember when I saw like my hamsters have sex for the first time, I thought they were killing each other. So imagine to her, like, this was something very, very traumatic that she shouldn't have seen. And also something she couldn't really process because then when you realize what is going on you know it's only supposed to happen between like your parents
2: speaking of that little girl was acting her
1: ass off this whole movie I was blown away young Smollett great actress astounding yeah I think like I definitely vibe with the loss of innocence interpretation like I think broadly that I think anytime you have Eve like it does conjure up a kind of biblical fall imagery like Naturally, I think that could have been delivered. Also like adam Eve, First Man and they're all bits of movie about descendants, like you said. So it does seem a bit like they might be nodding to that um I think my interpretation of it was quite specific because I was looking at it as like as I would have compared it to Beloved if I was like writing an academic essay so I realized that my take is very subjective and not necessarily the one that you'll come away with but I just kind of took the ambiguity and thought what could you do with it or what could it mean in some areas and I also thought like the significance of memory in the film like the fact that Eve's opening narration says like memory is a selection of images some elusive others printed in DLB onto the brain each image is like a thread each thread woven together to make a t- Tapestry of intricate texture, and the tapestry tells a story, and the story is our past. And it just seemed this idea of like the significance of past bleeding into present, i.e., potentially that like legacy of like sexual taboos or whatever bleeding into the present, and the fact that like memory is like historically the only form of testimony that black Americans had because there is like no documentation of like the horrific nature of stuff. So I think that's why I kind of look at it more as like as I would like a, a slave literature narrative.
2: I was going to say it is very much in that literary tradition of like, even the color purple of there was just a generation of black women create, I mean, writers, but also just like creators in general who were telling that like very similar story of like intergenerational trauma, especially gendered trauma. And like, I don't know why in that particular era, everybody was just like getting it out of their system. um But it, it is, like, in I don't know, to me, indicative of a time and of, like, a particular sort of, like, American slave narrative that, like, is different than the ones we get now. Like, the ones we get now, like, are definitely traumatic, but they don't... They, it feels like... I don't know, like we said, like this is a, a women-centered narrative. It's like a chorus of women in the center of it. And it feels like the female gaze in a way that like the other slave movies are just traumatic in the way that like sexual trauma is traumatic and violence is traumatic. And it's just trauma for trauma's sake. Especially, it's interesting that this is considered a horror movie. But I agree that it is a horror
1: movie, but we don't call like 12 Years a Slave a horror movie. Even if you don't view the, the father as, like, a predator on his, like, child, I think the fact of, like, infidelity as well is something that's, like, quite a strong theme, I feel like, in the slave literature narratives that were coming out in this time. So, and that was always linked to, like, the fact that slavery violated, like, the, the sort of black family so much. Um, with his sexual taboo. So I feel like the interpretation still works. You could just tweak it to however you choose to like interpret the ending.
0: When I was a kid, they would say that women got periods because God cursed Eve for like what she did to Adam in the Garden of Eden. So that there is like a period in this film where she feels almost cursed and also like the origin of eve is shifted to being like she saved the man's life instead of like tempting him to take a bite out of the apple is interesting because it's almost like um the women in the line of the family are so much more powerful in this film eve and the person who's actually thinks that he's pulling the strings is actually the one who's having his strings pulled by of all people the smallest kid in the family his youngest child
1: I thought it was interesting to see voodoo as a means of, like, agency in this film. Like, that's kind of what it grants Eve, is, like, power. Because she felt helpless to stop her father from, like, I guess, the continued sin of adultery and and stuff like that. Yeah, so I thought that that this was an interesting depiction of voodoo as, like, a a means of granting agency uh, for a young person. A little bit in a similar, like, Pan's Labyrinth way, right? Like, how that fantasy allowed her to escape from her terrible reality this is kind of the thing of like okay well we're gonna use this magic to get out of this situation with our father which feels cyclical and inevitable and i'm helpless to stop it
2: so i had like a theory that even if the voodoo didn't work eve killed her father either way by telling the man that, right like either way she is responsible I suppose is the correct word. Maybe responsible is not the word, but like she
1: instigated the events, whether it was through the voodoo ritual that the priestess did or her own, like kind of gossiping, you know, kind of planting a seed in that husband's mind. I don't know if she in- if she intended that. I to think happen. she kind of intended. She was like uh i something about mad you know maddie and F- daddy are not the lonely kind or something do you think that he thought he'd kill him
2: though or even do anything to him or did she just think she was being a bit like mischievous by dropping him i think she wanted the situation to stop
0: <laughs> i think she might have been being mischievous because i don't know when i was a little kid i was a bit mischievous
1: Ty would have been in the streets like i heard She was very mischievous, Eve. She was like doing so much. I was like, you are like being so bad. You're being so naughty. Oh my God. I see why the mom, like after the aunt had that vision, she was like, yeah, it's definitely my kids that might be hit by a bus. I'm going to keep you in. Like you guys are the ones who are going to be in trouble. But also that scene was weird. Separately, that scene was weird to me because she was so rejoiced. They were like rejoicing. Like, Like let's have a cookout basically was their response to like that kid getting hit by a bus until the mom or the grandma reminds them like, you know, someone died. Um, I just thought that was the most bizarre response. Like, yeah, let's have a cookout. I was like, what? What did you guys think about the aunt as like this kind of black widow? I thought it was a bit like, a little bit um, like, no, I, I, not like vagina, I guess vagina dentata in the sense that like, obviously not the exact imagery of a vagina dentata, a vagina with teeth. However, the fact that she is like this femme fatale who if people like it, she's so she has like this weird curse like the voodoo priestess tested or if, like if anyone like marries you they're gonna die kind of thing I kind of thought that like <laughs> I mean I kind of read it when they first said it I was like lol petty like drama between aunties but like <laughs> it's interesting to consider her as like a mon femme figure like in that way I don't know what she did to deserve it
2: I was like, do we know why that was happening to her? Is that just like the cross she has to bear in life? Or is it like maybe in exchange for her psychic powers, she can never have a man or something like that?
0: It kind of feels like how um, back in the day, people in general just thought something was wrong with someone if they were like a spinster, quote unquote. So if they were an unmarried woman who was over a certain age, they would just assume something's wrong with her. Maybe it was just like gossip that was just made up in the town. Like if you marry her,
1: but they did die like they definitely were dead yeah
0: they did they did die <laughs> but it might just be a coincidence
1: <laughs> the other monfem theme was obviously like the voodoo witch figure could be like creed's kind of witch figure i don't know if i have much depth there other than like that's a mo- like spotting a monfem theme <laughs> yeah i think this film is very monfem i mean i think that this
2: voodoo practitioner priestess i don't know who she was like what exactly her deal was but she again comparing it to, to serpent serpent in the rainbow and ahs when we cover ahs but the, like in my mind i have an idea of like a person who does voodoo of like in my head that's been made by media collection of images that create like a sort of person and it's either like princess and the frog like, a man in a top hat that's very Papa Legba-esque, but they don't call it that. Or it's, like, an old woman who, you know, reads the bones and raises the chickens and things like that. But I, there is, there are other things in media where it's, like, uh, the sexy woman. And I appreciated that she wasn't, like, a sex symbol in this because that would have gone so against the, like, female gaze that I like about this movie that, <laughs> like, I'm holding in my vision of things that's stopping it from going too far into all these like tropes and taboos is that like had she been like some seductress that yeah would have ruined it a bit for me but like angela bassett we'll get to that
1: (laughs) beautiful gowns (laughs) i do think that there is such a strong female gaze in this film. I know we always talk about that and I, it's hard to like quantify what is the female gaze but this is very much like sex and the violence it causes for a family as told from the perspective of like the black woman in the family which is why I don't know.
2: I think the female gaze is just that, not that we aren't being shown the same images like we are still being shown sex and violence and violation and whatever but it's just it just doesn't make me feel as icky I can't that's it like it's not that the the events of the film are any different from other horror films or other dramas. It's just that they're from a different a different perspective. And yeah, for with and, and done
1: with I would say different
2: intentionality and purpose.
1: Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at the Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at the MonFem Pod subscribe to our youtube channel and rate and review us on apple podcasts and follow us on tiktok at the monstrous feminine pod brooms up which is out